Hi, and welcome to the Changing Perspectives podcast, the show where we discuss a variety of topics, including grief, parenting, health and wellness, and relationships. Join us and explore a number of changing perspectives. We're your hosts, Jenny and Josh Brennan. Well, hey, Jenny. Hi. It's been a while. I feel like it's been a long time. I know. Well, we're at episode 27, which is exciting. This will come out on Thursday. Oh, no, that's next week. I was about, I was all excited because next week it's is June 27th. I thought episode 27, whatever. Um, anywho, we took a little one-day break. We normally have an episode that drops on Mondays and Thursdays, but we had to take a break. Um, I'm going to tell everybody why we took a break. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Yeah, go right ahead. So we were on, under, to go with our Disney love, to use a term Disney uses all the time, refurbishment. Changing perspectives was going under a little refurbishment, actually. So we're going to post some pictures on our Instagram and Facebook pages of the new setup. You know, everybody that is a homegrown podcast at home and you have your home studio, I think when you first get started, you always sort of go through that growth and development phase and different equipment. And we started very simply, excuse me, we started very simply and we had some basic... Uh, setups and some microphones and we went through some some growth and we had some different audio issues jenny likes to show her cell phone presence up on the microphones i don't know why it does that <laughs> your cell phone does it all but, the time but it's like off i have my cell phone i don't know it's just on the data no, no just data's Wi-Fi. off yeah yeah i hear it um anyway i was taking pictures for I was taking pictures for Instagram. Oh, well, thank you. It was multitasking. <laughs> people heard that pictures being taken. I love it. So anyway, I'm going to bore the crap out of people here. But uh, the bottom line is we took a, a break, a day off from re- releasing episodes so we could install and test our new equipment. And we have new microphones that will t- that will require a lot less post-fixing. Um, after it, after the episode's recorded, hopefully. So hopefully we are um, putting all of that stuff out for you and um, you love the audio. So I hope you can just bear with us on some of the, the previous audio. Hopefully it wasn't too bad. I know the previous episode, Jenny sounded a little farther away than I did because um, we were testing out another microphone, but we have decided that that microphone is no good for us. And so we have some two new mics and hopefully everything will be good. I think that was all I wanted to say about that. Oh, was it? Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. I I zone out when you start that process. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, that's why we took a break. We're happy to be back with everybody. This is episode 27. Um, But don't forget to like us and review us uh, and follow us on all of our social media outlets and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Check out our previous episodes. Um, We have some exciting stuff coming up for you. Um, we're doing some interviews and, and uh, spots on some different shows coming up. Pop Culture Cosmos at the end of the month. And Shut Up and Dad, great podcast coming up in July. And we have some upcoming interviews, Jenny. Who's coming on with us? We do. We, um, we've had to shuffle some things around because of their schedules and ours. It's, just, it, it's a really busy time of the year. Not really just is. for us, but for, for lots of folks. So we have someone coming on to talk specifically about anxiety and mindfulness. I didn't tell you this. She's going to really focus on oh, mindfulness, awesome. which has been on our, our topic list. We also have someone coming on to talk about cultures. 
with regards to grief. And so she is writing a really cool book, I'm very jealous, where she is traveling to seven different um, death and sort of grief festivals, events throughout the world. Wow. Um, and talking about them. So she's coming on. Did we schedule that one? I don't remember. I don't remember which is when, which is when. I'd have to look at my notes. And then we also have um, a mom, a really funny mom coming on who lives in England. She's an American who relocated to England. She's had experience with breast cancer and grief and relocating her kids. And so she's she's pretty fun to watch and follow on Instagram. So I think those three we have coming up, I think all of them are before the middle of July. And then we also have sort of a happiness expert coming on as well. So trying to get that happiness. all scheduled. That's interesting. Yeah, she runs this. Uh, she has a daily podcast of like a 10, 15 minute episode every day where it's 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 a good one to follow. It's sort of like a, um, a lesson plan in a way. I so like that. She's, yeah, she's really intriguing. I really like her. And so what is that for? Four over the next yes. four to six weeks or so. So that is our plan. Um, and you're trying to take a picture right now <laughs> yeah. while I'm talking and telling me to smile. Well, so I got a good shot of you. So don't. Will well, that, I wanted to return the favor because you were because. Oh, no, it's good. Well, you were taking a picture of me while I was talking earlier and distracting me. But I was being artistic and I, your face wasn't really in it. Oh, well, this is a straight up shot of you. Well, so. that's not going to make Do you want to see it. That's not going to see the light of day. I think nope. you're going to like it. How come your phone doesn't make the sound? I don't know. We have the same phone. No, yours is like a newer one, right? But um, same phone service. I thought yours was newer than mine. Is that not good? Oh, that's okay. I told you it was good. Okay. I got the nice, I got the shot on my microphone and your microphone. Okay, all right. I what was up, I just talking about? So listen, about? I want to tell everybody, I set up this new table. We have these new... Um, mic arms stands that connect to the table and it's we have lots of space for like workspace to have notes and um you know drinks while we not fun drinks but uh, maybe that's a different episode um but and i set up this whole thing and i set up a chair for jenny she comes in and sits down on the couch well let's think <laughs> about why i did that i just spent two hours and 15 yes. minutes sitting yes. in that chair in the kitchen, in a meeting, and then class. Right. And then tonight I'm going to sit in the same spot for another two-hour class. It's the same chair that I put in here. And so it's the same chair. I get so it. So I needed it. I'm with you. And But the microphone reaches you in the chair. Right, because so. I got a microphone arm, so I don't have to hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are you okay not holding it? Because you said before in previous episodes you like to hold it. I am. I'm going to need a pen. I need a fidget toy. Oh. I can give you a pen. I've Just to hold. Yeah. If you've had me in a real life class, I always am holding something. A what pen. do you hold? What do you? Oh, a pen. Usually a pen. Okay, I yep. got a pen for you. Um, I also hold a pen in session with clients, even though I don't really take notes. Take notes. Yeah. That's interesting. I take notes sometimes, but I'm not someone that like writes down every single yeah, thing yeah, they yeah. say because then I'm not really paying well, attention. Because you're because you're in it. I'm in it exactly. You're listening. Yeah. You're mm -hmm. present. That's big. All right, Jenny, I think we've vamped enough. What are we talking about today in episode 27? I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Maybe we should know before we, we press record. We are kind of going back to the basics of grief. So we've talked, obviously, about grief on mm -hmm. a lot of our episodes. And we've kind of defined grief, but we've never really 
dived into the topic of complicated grief because there really is two different kinds of grief. Um, I'm getting distracted because my headphones sort of are a little lagging behind, I feel. So sorry about that. I'm going to take them off a little bit. You have one on, one off? I have them both half off. Gotcha. Somehow it helps me. Okay. Um, so there's there's sort of normal, which I don't really like calling normal, um, but there's complicated and uncomplicated grief. So another sort of word for uncomplicated grief is normal grief. This is sort of what the vast majority of cases of grief are. They're really normal. So I'm going to ask you, Josh, what are some ways um, that without looking at your, your notes I here? I haven't okay. looked at it. What are some sort of normal emotional reactions one might have when they're experiencing normal or uncomplicated grief? Hmm. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is just weeping, crying. Mm-hmm. Yep, crying. So I guess the other thing is anger or mm-hmm. acting angry, Yep. Um, being withdrawn, not wanting to talk to anybody. Yep. Um, I guess blaming oneself. So guilt. Guilt, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, what comes to mind, we talked about this in other episodes. I, I can't remember which ones, but we, some of our grief episodes or hospice episodes, we talk about the phrase grieving appropriately. Oh yeah. And is that, I mean, are, are clinicians referring to normal or uncomplicated grief when they say that grieving appropriately? Is that what that is? I guess. I guess we could probably argue that maybe they are. I don't really think they are, but um, I think when they're saying that, they're saying we don't need to have, there's no need for intervention. So yeah, maybe, okay. maybe when they're saying grieving appropriately, right, right. they're saying this is a sort of normal, uncomplicated um, presentation of grief. So I wanted to go back to what I said first, which was crying or weeping, right? That's the, I think that's what comes to mind first when you ask what do people do when they grieve? What is a normal way to grieve? Well, that was a, I asked a normal emotional response. Normal, normal emotional response. Um, what I what comes to mind though is when people see someone crying, they don't. I mean, they don't act like it's normal. They they, they act like it's so scary or so like I don't want to talk to that it's, it's uncomfortable when someone's crying so we so, de- we describe it as a normal response to death but we also get really nervous around it Am depending making, on your depending sense? on your culture and your sort of your sort of background um depending on your that's dependent upon your experiences there are some people who come from a cultural background a sort of family experience with grief where that is quite normal for them so we were watching um, big is it Big Little Lies? Big Little Lies is that on HBO or yep. Showtime? What is it? HBO. HBO. I I was hoping you're going to bring this up. I was going to ask you. Yeah. So we we just started watching that, and I think we binged it in like a two week period. We're caught up though, and we're caught up now. <laughs> yeah. So we were watching. I think it was in the first episode of the second season, and um, you're telling me. I'm something. just going to tell you. Pull the mic a little farther away from you. Farther away. Okay. Yes. Um. So that's your work. Without giving any spoilers, there is a character in the first episode of the second season who is talking about her grief, sort of at a dinner table with another woman and two kids who are like second graders. Um, 
And she talks about her grief experience and she mm-hmm. talks about how she feels so sad and so lonely. And then she talks about how she's mad, all of which are really normal feelings when we're talking about sort of normal, uncomplicated grief. And then she says, don't you ever just want to scream? And I'm not quoting her directly, uh, but then she does. She actually screams at the dinner table and, yeah. and you know, the, the other woman who's sort of this like, I guess I would say kind of prim and proper woman is kind of horrified by that expression of Mm -hmm. grief. But I think that expression of grief is still normal. normal. Mm -hmm. It's not complicated grief. Um, It is still sort of a very kind of fresh, raw loss for this person. And then she actually says, oh, does my grief make you uncomfortable? Or something like that. Um, And I think that's so true of grief. And, And so I wanted to talk today about what is normal grief and then when does grief sort of cross the threshold into something that we consider not abnormal but complicated that that really truly needs um some professional intervention and support so because we've never really explored that so i wanted to kind of provide a baseline of what's sort of normal uncomplicated grief if you haven't started watching big little lies on hbo check that out um it's very good it is, yeah. 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 But when we saw that um, that scene, the first thing I thought was, um, we should talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely sort of episode. grief is definitely a, um, a a sort of character. It's a ubiquitous part of the show, I think. Yeah, yeah. Not just death related grief, but sort of like grief that comes as a result of divorce and loss of trauma, friendships some and sort trauma. Of, yeah. And lo- yeah, there's lots. There's lots there. Interesting. Um, okay. All right. So, so normal kind of this. normal uncomplicated oh, was I, grief. Was I correct? Or yeah. Oh, all those were correct. Okay. So, uh, there's sort of four buckets of how grief can present itself: um, emotionally, physically, cognitively, and then behaviorally. Okay. So this is not an exhaustive list, but a, a kind of example of emotions that are normal when you're talking about grief are things like sadness, anger, guilt. You said all three of those anxiety, shock, disbelief, um, yearning, this mm. sort of desire to kind of find them again. So you will often kind of see them, you know, think like, oh, that person in the grocery store really looks like my loved one yeah. um, that can throw you off sometimes sort of um, even sort of hallucinating that a little bit. That's that's normal. That doesn't mean that it's complicated or abnormal, um, you know, that desire to kind of see your loved one again is really quite palpable and we see it in nature so when um the study was with geese a geese lost his partner and then just spent days and weeks just flying searching for his partner who was dead um but it was this sort of biological need to kind Mm -hmm. of reconnect that yearning yearning. to find them again Um, we saw that when our when our dog, anytime we've had a dog and another dog has died, mm-hmm. that dog definitely grieves yes. and is kind of like yearning and searching for them. Um, also, feeling of relief when your loved one dies yeah. that can also be really normal if they've In what suffered. Way? I mean, if they've suffered, okay. so like, all right, now I, I know I don't have to um, fear that every time the phone rings, it's it's the notice that they've they've died. Yeah. Um, or you know, I I no longer have to kind of sit and watch them for seven straight days wondering if today is the day they're gonna take their last breath. So right. sometimes quite often a feeling that you can get when you lose someone is a sense of relief 
at some point yeah. um, that, okay, well, at least, you know, now, now they're gone. Uh, I think we felt that with our, with our dog in some ways. Yeah. Um, our last one, as we sort of struggled with when is the time to, to have her euthanized to pursue yeah. sort of putting her down. Um, I think we should do another episode on pet loss from the perspective of the adult or the parent. I think we talked, mm. um, or not even a parent, just an adult. The adult. Because we talked a lot. We just only did one episode on that. And we talked about children's um, responses to that, how to guide children through children through pet loss. But that topic came up with our friends recently about three different sets of friends. Yeah, like within how do we like know, three days. How do we know when it's time? Right. And we didn't um, know. And that's part of the relief that you're talking about. Once we finally knew that it was happening, this was the day. Okay. We, well, let's, so let's table yeah. that part and we can do a separate episode on that. I'll be curious to see the numbers because the pet loss for children one is our least downloaded episode. Do you think that's because people are a little afraid of that topic? Yeah. No one wants yeah, to talk no about dead dogs. About so it'll be yeah, interesting yeah. to see if more people would want to talk about it when it's sort of specifically framed in, mm-hmm. in another way. And I am, let me just pause for a second and say that part of what I love about this podcast so much and doing the show with you is just how many different types of topics we talk about. Um, and you know, as if you're listening to the show, you know how much we love animals because animals seem to be, um, to muscle the way on the show all the time. You may even hear Pixie purring right now. She's sitting on my lap. She's sitting on your lap. Um, so animals are a big part of our life and, um, because of Jenny's specialty being grief and loss. I mean, it's natural for us to start off talking about that from that perspective, but I am, um, Jenny has been kind enough to let me be a guest author on her blog. And I'm currently working on an article about pet rescue. And I'd Dude, love to do a show on that for like four months. I know, but <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to do that. But anyway, um, I'm working on that article. So an episode, is coming maybe later this summer or early fall about um, pet rescue. So anyway, let's proceed. Cool. Um, So back to sort of normal range of emotional responses. Um, Also numbness, not really feeling anything. Those are not an exhaustive list, but just a sort of list of the range of normal, typical, uncomplicated responses when someone is grieving. So nothing really alarming there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question for you. Um, I think a natural response to death or even um, a non-death related loss is this feeling of, I just want to go back. I just want to go back to the moment that I found out about this or before. Let me just go back to the time that they were still here. Is that part of yearning? Yes. Okay. Uh, What do you mean I go back to the moment that I learned about it, though? Um, so I could like warn them if it was like a traumatic death or something or, um, let me just go back to that moment. I wish that I wish I'd made a different decision or I wish I had this time with them or whatever. I mean, part of that could be guilt, regret, regret. I guess regret is what I'm talking about. Okay. So, so regret. Yes, that's totally normal. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, it fits within the emotional mm -hmm. category. Yep. Other ones that you can think of? Um, I think numbness is interesting to me. Um, I guess that that's what I was talking about with feeling withdrawn, wanting to pull away from the world. Is that 
I guess the same thing as numbness. Mm, well, that's a behavioral reaction. Okay. Right. That's sort of pulling away. Um, and that could be because you're numb or it could be because you just don't want to be around people because right. it sort of triggers you in a way. It's all kind of complicated at all. You know, I'm saying here's some, here's four different buckets of how grief can present itself, but there are things that overlap from one bucket right. to another. So it's not necessarily clean and neat. Um, and these kind of can depend on what sort of, uh, task or stage or place you're at with your grief process. Mm -hmm. You know, the um, sort of theoretical approach I often sort of utilize is that very early on, after you've lost someone, you are, you're, what you're trying to do is really um, understand that they've died. Right. Really kind of accept the loss, the reality of the loss that it's really happened. And so often in that time, that's when we see feelings of numbness, when we have feelings of yearning, when it's just we know they're not here, but it really hasn't kind of sunk in. It hasn't hit us yet. OK. OK. Other questions? No, I think that's that's it. OK. Yeah. So next bucket is sort of physical reactions. So how okay. might you think sort of um, grief can be manifested physically in a normal way? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is like trouble breathing, mm -hmm. like yeah. um, hyperventilation or whatnot, something like that. Right. That kind of feeling yeah. like tightness in your chest, like you can't catch your breath, fast breathing, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's lots of people that sort of feel their grief in a respiratory way. Also things like just general weakness, um, not wanting to eat, wanting to eat, okay. dry mouth. Um, the actual act of crying is a physical uh, reaction. Okay. Um, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. vomiting, um, choking, having sort of a choking sensation. Mm -hmm. um, and then other sort of physical ailments. So people can feel grief, you know, uh, a stomach ache or muscle cramps or tightness in their shoulders or headaches. Really, grief can be manifested anywhere in your mm -hmm. body physically. And is that, I mean, what is the physiological reason that we have those physical reactions? Is it just a like a mind-body yes, connection? that, that mind-body connection. Um, there's a lot of new research that actually is showing that um, our sort of physical reactions can get passed down. So trauma that perhaps, it sort of comes out of research from like people that lived during wars. Okay. That lived in a, a war area, you know, where they were worried about bombings and things like that. So they were living in this constant sort of trauma. So daily multiple times a day, their brain was kind of getting that signal, fight or flight, you know, like, um, oh, there's a signal or there's a mortar right. or there's a bomb. Um, so I've got to protect myself. I've got to protect my my offspring. I've got to protect the people I love. And so that's releasing these chemicals that's telling your brain um, to sort of shut down all non-essential functioning and just fight or flee, but protect yourself. And so... Um, living in that constantly can kind of change the sort of chemical makeup of your brain, can kind of change then what your body does, you know, if you're kind of tense all the time. And then if you have children, so if you're pregnant during that time, or if you then become pregnant, um, a lot of research is showing that that, that kind of bi biologically gets kind of passed down. Interesting. That sort of trauma response. And so huh. um, it gets passed down biologically, genetically then, um, but also so socially, right? Because if you're someone who kind of grew up where if you heard a loud noise, that could mean that like, if you heard airplanes, that could mean that they're coming to drop bombs on you. Then anytime you hear an airplane, you might freak your children out and be like, come on, we have to get somewhere safe. So then as those children grow up now, then they've got those, those feelings that are passed down too. So um, all that to say, a lot of, 
a lot of our feelings we can feel physically right in our bodies i think that makes sense um did you say joint pain i don't know if i said it but that can definitely be it too. Same with um, anxiety. I see a lot of folks that come to me um, for anxiety after they've sort of gone through lots of testing with their doctors and the doctors are finally like, nothing's wrong with you. You must be anxious. And um, then more often than not, it is true. There's something in their life that's causing them a whole lot, lot of anxiety. And sometimes I think it's the brain and the body's way of sort of giving them a warning like, hey, you need to take care of like, we are so not doing well right now that you know, we're going to be dizzy and not make it able right. for you to drive. Um, I think we don't quite un- fully understand the magical things our brains can do. Right. So lots of physical reactions that are totally normal for a grief response. I was just going to say, this is the this uncomplicated. Is all, we're all, st- all of this is still, still talking about uncomplicated category. grief. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then cognitive. So those are your thoughts. So things like thinking, this isn't real. Why did this happen? Um only being able to think about it, like thinking about it all the time, sort of perseverating on it, mm. being preoccupied with it, um, being confused about it, sort of why did this happen? I don't understand. This isn't fair. Um, not being able to concentrate is a pretty big one. Um, you know, not being able to kind of focus at work, things like that. And I think if you kind of think about yourself, there's probably times of the day that you're a better worker. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I know for me, I work so much better earlier in the day. Like my brain just fires quicker. I'm more organized. I can concentrate better. Um, I can write better. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I just don't have that concentration level. And I think for many people, sort of our brains do that anyways, even we're not grieving. Our brains sort of give us signals and say, now's a good time for you to do this work now is not a good time to do this work. And for people that are grieving, it can be really common for them to kind of feel that way all the time when they're grieving. For me, the disbelief thing rings true. I feel like when I've had a loss, um, those are the things that the the thoughts that pop into my mind. I can't believe this is happening. Please, please make it not be happening. I can't believe this, you know? Um, so that one rings true for me. And then also forgetfulness. So a lot of people sort of get worried. Oh my gosh, am I now on top of all this? Am I developing like early, early on stage, early stage dementia? Right. And and sometimes people might be right, but so often that's a normal reaction to grief. Yeah. It's also a normal trauma. A lot of this is also true of trauma. These are sort of true right, right. reactions to trauma. Is that people can feel like they're they're going crazy. And, and I experienced that, you know, I've got sort of this Mm -hmm. very mild brain condition. And so we sort of stumbled across that five years ago Yeah. uh, when I woke up from a nap and one of my eyeballs was my pupils was one of Mm -hmm. my pupils were dilated. dilated, The other was not. (laughs) And apparently when you walked in and saw me, that was pretty concerning. Yeah. Um, And so off to the, off to the hospital because that could be indicative of a brain issue Mm -hmm. and they were pretty concerned. And so off to the bigger hospital, I I went in an ambulance and, um, had a CT scan done, which, um, at that point, did they, were they concerned about it then? No, it didn't look abnormal to them then right no no but then the mri that then a few years later i started having i was forgetting things i was sort of um messing up numbers a little bit i was forgetting people's names i was having a hard time concentrating Mm -hmm. and then as i was realizing that i was getting more and more freaked out mentioned it to a doctor and the doctor said 
Uh, well, you did have this weird unexplained eye thing that happened a few years ago that you needed a CT for, so you should go to a neurologist. Right. Went to a neurologist, and uh, she sort of um, nonchalantly was like, draw me a clock. And I knew she was giving me the clock test. I worked with patients with dementia. I knew exactly what she was looking for, and I couldn't draw the clock. Like in that mm. moment, were you in the room with me? No. So in that moment, you know, she said, draw a clock that says 150, and I couldn't do it. And then realizing in that moment that I couldn't do it freaked me out, which made me more unable to do it. So then I had lots of MRIs and a full mm-hmm. neuropsych assessment. And um, the conclusion is that basically I've got a weird brain because the first MRI came back and it looked like <laughs> my frontal lobe was atrophied, um, which could be indicative of a pretty significant sort of form of um, dementia, um, which was terrifying. And all this was like a month-long process before we finally got an answer do you remember um, yeah it was a while was, i feel like it was a couple months it was a it was a long process yeah long i didn't mean story. to have a laugh in there but you said i've just got a weird brain I, well because that's <laughs> what it is so i've got like this um basically um idiopathic hypertension hi- hyper and hypotensive uh intracranial hyper so I've got idiopathic yes. intracranial, intracranial hypertension. hypertension and hypotension. So depending right. on whether sort of the pressure in my brain is up or down, um, it's going to look like my brain has atrophied when, in fact, I've it just got a little hasn't. extra space right. in there to, for the swelling. So and idiopathic stands for unknown cause. They don't really know why. Yeah. Um, the only concern is that I have to watch my sort of optical nerves because there's a, a danger to that. But I have mm-hmm. no symptoms. Um, and and their conclusion was I was forgetting things. I wasn't able to draw the clock, not because I had dementia, but because I was stressed and I was anxious and I was overwhelmed. And so that is something, and I hadn't experienced a big loss. I just was working like 17 jobs at that time. Yes. I was working a lot. Um, I think we, I don't remember what we had had like a big shift sort of in our lives in terms of our schedules. And so that was what was going on. It wasn't that long after we moved. Right. Right, I think, I think so. Um, so that was what was going on. So, so I've lived and breathed that, that your brain really can do funny things when you are anxious Absolutely. and the same thing can happen when you're grieving. So all of those same sort of symptoms can come across Mm -hmm. when you're grieving. So those can be kind of normal as well. And then your sort of bucket of behaviors. So uh, socially withdrawing or not wanting to be alone. Right. Right. Like not wanting not wanting to sleep alone, not wanting to sort of be in a house alone, not wanting to drive alone, all of those things, or not wanting to socialize at all are all sort of normal reactions. Um, on this list here is the term mummification. Do you know what that means? Uh, does that mean like wrapping, like physically adding layers to yourself? No, but that's a good guess. Yeah. I guess you could, a good guess would be like wearing their clothing, right? Well, yeah, like I think of people just layering clothing, wrapping themselves up, wrapping themselves up in a blanket, maybe laying in bed for days. Oh, yeah. That's what I think. That of. is a normal reaction to grief, not mm-hmm. what the term mummification means. It actually re- refers to um, sort of preserving everything as it was when the ah, loved one was here. So, like, interesting. not not changing anything in the house. Okay. Like, I get right, that that's now. that, you know, that's their, that's their coat hook. That's their backpack. Their backpack's always on the table. Um, their room always looks like this. This is their spot at the dining room table. Um, that's their spot for the car in the driveway, things like that. Leaving it as if you're kind of mummifying their, 
um, their sort of place I get that. in your life. Preservation. Yeah. So that's that's also really normal. Um, not sleeping, sleeping too much, mm-hmm. being restless. Um, also, the sort of physical act of sighing that like. <sighs> People do that a lot when they're grieving without really realizing all of that. So everything I've just laid out, totally normal, uncomplicated grief. And so many of what we've talked about in our episodes about grief are kind of based in that sort of normal, uncomplicated grief, wide range. But I do think it's worthwhile exploring, well, what is sort of the other side? What's complicated grief? And I don't want to call it abnormal grief, but what's complicated grief? Dive into that. Why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? Okay. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? My name's Tim from the Shut Up and Dad podcast, and I hope you're enjoying this show. If you're looking for some laughs after you finish listening to this episode, come check out Shut Up and Dad. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and your favorite podcast platform by searching Shut Up and Dad, or simply head to our website, shutupanddad-podcast.com, where you can listen to episodes, read our blog, and find links to our show. That's shutupanddad-podcast.com. All right, we are back. Jenny, you're about to take us through the other side, which is complicated grief. Complicated grief. So there's four types of complicated grief. There is chronic, delayed, exaggerated, and masked. So I'll sort of talk about each one. All right. Um, and you can tell me if you've sort of ever seen them. Um, so the, the, first in, the first two, chronic and delayed, are the most common. Um, and... I guess sort of the least concerning of the complicated grief types. So the first one, chronic, refers to grief that's really kind of excessive in duration. So there's no real time. Like I can't say, oh, if you're still experiencing these grief reactions after four years, then you've got chronic grief. It's really on a case-by-case basis, but it's something that's really excessive. and, And really the person feels stuck. So they don't just feel like they're grieving. They really feel like... They're just stuck in the same place. They, they don't necessarily have good days and bad days. Their grief and their grieving process doesn't feel like it's moving or changing okay. or sort of ebbing or flowing. It just feels like they're stuck. And so often someone that's presenting with a chronic grief, a con- chronic complicated grief, that's what they're saying is that they feel stuck. So how is that? Let's go back to what you said in previous episodes about how there is no closure. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no um, end point for loss or right. grief. So how is that? What's the difference between how is that different than getting unstuck, I guess? Um, all right. So your question is basically like, how is normal? If grief? there's no closure, then what is chronic? Well, you can still be grieving someone. You can still be really sad that they're not mm-hmm. there. You can still sort of be caught off guard. Um, you know, when you suddenly remember them, you can still wake up every day and, and, you know, sit and look at the tree you've planted in their mm. memory and kind of, you know, think of them and miss them. So that's, that's different than, <clears throat> excuse me, having a satis- like a satisfactory conclusion is not closure. Right. Right. It's just well, I didn't you. say satisfactory. You're looking at the notes. I'm looking there. at the notes. Yeah, right. I didn't sorry. say that because I don't <clears throat> I don't like to say that. Right. Because that's too close to closure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There is no closure. Yeah. But 
people can move to different paths in the grief journey. Yeah. So I, so I guess I like imagery. Um, and I've likened, and I think I've likened grief, I think here, um, to sort of rocks. And so some days your grief feels like you're carrying around a boulder, right? And it feels like that boulder is so heavy. You just, you can't even get out of bed. It's just on your back. You can't stand up straight. You can't really catch your breath. You don't want to do anything. It's just this heavy boulder that's weighing you down. And other days it's this tiny little pebble. You know, it's there. It's in your pocket. It's not going to go anywhere. It's always going to be with you. You can feel Mm -hmm. it. It's right there, but it's not weighing you down. It's not preventing you from doing anything. So some days it's a boulder. Some days it's a pebble. Some days it's something in between. Someone with chronic grief, it's always going to feel like maybe not a boulder, but it's always going to feel the same for them day after day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't ever change. Well, and you you mentioned a large boulder that prevents you from doing something, right? Yeah. If you're stuck there with that large boulder and you you can't do anything, I get that's con- I'm I'm getting it now. It's like yeah, I get light bulbs now. Yeah, um, now I'm getting it. So if yes. you're if you're stuck in that space where you can't do anything, or maybe you continue to have weakness or disbelief, or you never fully get your appetite back because you're stuck in that chronic. Yeah, I mean, sort of the next sort of if you're kind of looking at it on a continuum, um, don't want to confuse chronic with then exaggerated grief, because exaggerated grief, which is the third bucket I was going to talk about, that's when it sort of flips into something um, really that's that's a clinical diagnosis, like depression, anxiety, panic attacks or phobias that develop. You know, suddenly you have agoraphobia and you can't leave your home because of a loss. Um, substance abuse or substance misuse that happens as a result of a loss. Things like PTSD. Okay. You know, when your grief is sort of moving to that phase, then we're really talking about it being an exaggerated form of grief, which is a complicated form of grief. Um, chronic is sort of, I guess, in between uncomplicated and exaggerated. Right. But both chronic and exaggerated are types of complicated grief. I see. Okay. And the distinction between complicated and uncomplicated, when we're talking about uncomplicated grief or normal grief, you you the vast majority of people who are grieving experience normal, uncomplicated grief, and the vast majority are able to sort of move through that without real professional intervention. Right, right. They may ne- never need to go to like a grief support group or a grief therapist. They may never need to see a psychiatrist. They may never need to get regular counseling or therapy. When we're talking about complicated grief, those individuals that are experiencing that really do need professional support. They need a therapist, a clinician, not right. not you know someone who's a licensed provider, not someone who um, you know studied grief for a couple of years and has taken sort of a, a certificate, someone who's really kind of focused. A licensed clinician. A licensed right. clinician. Um, you know, they need someone whose support is a little more than like a friend or a peer support group, a peer bereavement group. When mm-hmm. we're moving into complicated group, group, and that's why I bring it up today is because if you are identifying with any of this or you feel like you know someone who might be identifying with this, any of these types of complicated grief, that's a good time to sort of get some additional support, additional support, uh, professional support. Right. So that first kind of bucket is chronic grief. Okay. Um, the second bucket is delayed grief, which is exactly what we're talking about, um, what, exactly what it sounds like. It's grief that is delayed. And so, so often people can experience a pretty significant loss. Um, and then not really experience a whole lot of those um, emotions that we felt that we talked about at the beginning. 
I got distracted by our teenager who just stood there staring at us instead of. <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be complicated. We're gonna have complicated podcasting for the next twelve <laughs> weeks because we've transitioned into summer. summer. <laughs> so the kids are here all the time. Um, so what was I saying? Talking about delayed delayed grief, grief. delayed a, delayed complicated grief. grief is exactly what it is. So someone can lose someone important to them and really not experience a whole lot of that normal um, grief examples we talked about. They might not really feel anything. And sort of just go on with their life. And then suddenly something happens. Another loss happens. Or they watch a movie. Or they hear a song. Or an anniversary happens. And then suddenly their grief kicks in. And it's as if they just lost them for the very, very first time. It's not that they're doing it again. It's this is the first time they're grieving. And it could be months or years later. It could be years later. Um you know, with the, with the fact that it's 2019 right now, not all families kind of live together nearby. Um, most many individuals are living paycheck to paycheck. So if a death kind of happens to someone important to them 2000 miles away, they might not be able to jump on an airplane and attend the funeral, the wake. And so it might be really easy for them to pretend like that loss never happened. Right. And so delayed grief reactions are really quite common. Um, but they can catch people off guard because they can say like, well, but my my parents died four years ago. Why am I sad about it now? I was fine. Yeah. It didn't bother me at all. The answer is probably because you didn't grieve at all. And and that could be grief that's not just about like a death. It could be grief over a divorce or something like that, right. that kind of delayed grief. So when we're talking about chronic grief, which is really kind of excessive in duration, you're, you're kind of stuck. Um, and delayed grief, grief that you experience pretty far after the, the beginning time of the loss, those are both complicated grief okay. um, examples. So now, when that happens, and you, <clears throat> after months, years, whatever it is, you have this, this response, this reaction to the loss, you then could be experiencing all of the comp the uncomplicated stuff Correct. as well. Like all of that could come up, like the, the tightness in the chest, all the physical stuff, the cognitive stuff, all the emotional mm-hmm. stuff. So you're suddenly in the space where you quote unquote should have been. Exactly. But so the people around you, your support network is not prepared for They're that. They're going to be like, what is going on right. with this person? Something's wrong with you. Yeah. Um, which is why turning to professional support at that time might be really helpful. And that doesn't mean like I'm talking, check yourself into a hospital. I'm talking like, go see a grief therapist, not a counselor. There's a distinction between grief counseling and grief therapy. Um, But go see a grief therapist who is a licensed professional. So grief Um, therapy is licensed professional. Right. Where do you find? Who's going to use really specific sort of clinical interventions. And there are um, actual specific clinicians that can be trained in complicated grief techniques, which is a very sort of short, time-limited program, often eight to 12-week program, like this is what we do week one, this is what we do week two. Um, I am not certified in that. It is on my list of things to do when I ever have time. (laughs) So um, how do you find, I mean, what's a grief counselor then? Is that someone... That works, I don't know, volunteers somewhere? Yep, it could be. Like at a church mm-hmm. or something? Exactly. Okay. All right. Exactly. Like what we saw in Dead to Me, probably. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. 
That's they're the not TV bad. Show. Yeah, they're yeah. just um, probably not going to be able to take you the full the full length. Um, and they're not go- they're not going to diagnose anything. Exactly. Or, yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, Thank you. So chronic and delayed. You feel like you understand those? I got it. Okay. So then the next two, exaggerated and masked, these are ones that um, can really result in clinical diagnoses and so actually may also benefit from medication. Um, so may also benefit from psychiatric support. Um, so this this is what we re- you were referencing earlier where there's a diagnosis made. Yes. And you you should be under the care of. Yeah. And I, I don't really like these the the terms so often when we talk about things I'm like I don't like the way that this I don't, theory, like, I don't like this theory. Um I don't like the term exaggerated cuz I feel like exaggerated is a a, a negative has a negative connotation right. connotation like mm-hmm. oh you're exaggerating. So I feel like it's a negative um, yeah. term, right? Like, it's like oh they're playing the death card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. When they're not it's it's that um things have sort of shifted clinically for them. So perhaps they had an underlying predisposition to mm-hmm. depression or anxiety or they had a diagnosis and then this sort of amplifies it. So we're talking about things like depression. So real hopelessness, real kind of lack of motivation. That boulder when you said earlier like you're not able to do things, we're talking about like really not like you can't you can't put on a bra and get dressed and situation. go to work. Taking a shower daily is is work. Brushing your teeth, making yourself meals. Like that real kind of dark depression. Um, anxiety that really gets in the way of your quality of life. You know, these really are starting to kind of impact your quality of life. Obviously, mm-hmm. a phobia is going to prevent you from doing something, whether it's a pho- fear of driving, fear of leaving your house, um, and panic attacks, which when you're having a panic attack can feel like you're actually dying. Yeah. All of those things are pretty significant and need the intervention and support of someone who knows more than just grief counseling, but can okay. kind of bring in some other therapeutic method, um, methods. PTSD. Well, then because the grief is now not just grief, it's exactly. grief plus this mental, exactly. mental right. health diagnosis. Right. Um, so post-traumatic stress disorder, if we're talking about a loss um, that had some trauma involved or was sudden in nature, or a loss in which there's a lot of um, sort of complicated emotions like ambiguity or guilt, yeah. things like that, um, you might be at risk for some PTSD, which would put this into a category of exaggerated grief. PTSD is on our episode list, right? Like our topic list. Yeah, we probably should bring in a specialist for that one. Yeah. I'm not, I see folks with PTSD, but I would not classify myself as, I'm a grief specialist, but I'm not a PTSD specialist. Okay. Um, But I do see a lot of people who have PTSD. But then if they reach a point where I feel like, all right, we've kind of worked through the grief part, we've worked through some of the other clinical stuff, and now we're kind of stuck around the PTSD, right? um, Then I would refer them out. Gotcha. Mm All right. So what's left on the buckets of complicated grief? So masked grief. Um, So masked grief is when uh, it's really quite interesting because this is an example of what the brain can do. It is when the grieving individual actually starts to develop symptoms that the deceased individual had. So if their loved one had lung cancer and had a lot of respiratory issues at the end of their life and they suddenly start developing respiratory issues... Um, obviously the first, the first thing you do is you pursue medically and make sure right. nothing's going on. Um, make sure you don't actually have actually have it. Um, or they had like, a, an intestinal cancer or stomach cancer, and then they start having GI issues. It, it could be this complicated 
masked grief, that your grief is really being displayed physically in a way that's manifesting in a way that your deceased loved one um, sort of died. So it's really interesting, really needs someone clinical to help kind of unpack what's going on and kind of shed light on that. So, so often... um, Masked grief, when people are having masked complicated grief, they're not going to the therapist and saying, I've decided that I have masked um, complicated grief. Usually what they're doing is they're going and saying, I have all these medical issues and my doctors aren't able to find anything and I don't know what's going on. And then in uncovering it, the therapist would find that, oh, they've had this significant loss. This is how the person died. And they're having sort of similar symptoms here and then provide this, education around how it's normal. So so none of this is abnormal. This is still sort of even complicated grief is within the, the sort of confines of a normal. You're normal. If no, you a normal this. response. Yes. It's just that you're going to need a little extra help to kind of get through it. You know, it's kind of like if you um, fall in the parking lot and you twist your ankle, you know, you kind of tweak your ankle. Mm-hmm. If it's not broken you and it doesn't really look like you've totally sprained it you can treat it yourself right you can kind of go home put some rice not rice ice (laughs) on it rest it elevate it you know do the compression take some motrin all that stuff treat it yourself if it's broken you really need to go see a professional who's going to kind of reset it put a cast on emotional stuff is the same some of it you can kind of deal with your own. You can take care of yourself. You can kind of listen to our other podcast mm-hmm. episodes um, and kind of help yourself process your grief. Right. Sometimes, though, it reaches a point where it's a little more complex. It's a little more complicated, and mm-hmm. you could benefit from seeing a professional. So that's this masked complicated grief concept is pretty interesting to me. Have you ever seen it in the clinical setting? For sure. Really? Yeah. I would say it happens a lot. The brain is pretty amazing. Or weird. Well, amazing. I often think of situations like that. I think of it as the sort of brain, the body, cueing the, the person right. to slow down. I always think of, I don't watch Oprah a lot. Is Oprah even on anymore? No. I don't know. I didn't really watch She does Oprah all kinds of different stuff. So, I think she has yeah. a podcast, actually. Um, but in an episode I did watch, she talked about how... Um, she believes that like the universe sends you signals and sometimes they're little signals and sometimes they're kind of big signals like they're throwing bricks at your head. Yeah. I kind of think our body and our brain does the same thing. They sort of send us signals. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those signals are easy to ignore and so we ignore them. And then those signals have to get louder and louder. And so right. I, I sort of looked at, I look at something like a masked, complicated grief as like your brain, your body kind of throwing bricks at your head. Like, yeah. look, you have to unpack this grief stuff. You have to sort of figure some stuff out. You have to figure out a way to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to um, present issues and um, symptoms that are too great for you to ignore. Right. So that's how I look at it. Okay. I look at it as sort of a protective still factor. fascinating to me. It's, the brain yeah. is fascinating. So it's there's a little note. Did you already say this? This uh, On my notes here, it says um, both exaggerated and masked grief can result in the clinical diagnosis, in a clinical diagnosis, but individual, individuals with exaggerated grief reactions are aware of and connect their reactions to the loss while individuals with masked grief reactions do not. I did say that. So I said that people with masked grief are not going to kind of show up and be like, I've lost my loved one. 
and they died of um, stomach cancer, and I'm having stomach aches, and so I know it's just a mass you know grief. Yeah, 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 the therapist is going to un- unpack that. But folks with exaggerated grief have awareness of what's going on. Often, yeah, often they do. That they'll be able to say, like, things got really worse for me after, um, after the loss of my loved one. So the okay. point, the point with all of this is to say that all of this grief is still normal. Yes. Um, but I wanted to provide a little bit of a more sort of scientific kind of background and acknowledge that, although I say all the time, like what you're feeling is normal, that sometimes um, you need extra help. Sometimes you do need extra right. help, and and there are kind of labels for that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to sort of um, the labels you don't that. you're not crazy about. I, well, you know when we talk about like abnormal grief when we talk when we call grief when we call uncomplicated grief normal grief then that means that the complicated grief is, is not normal abnormal grief yeah. so i don't like that word yeah abnormal. i get that yeah. so uncomplicated and complicated yes stuff you can treat yourself at home or stuff you need help with right and right. so um if folks are kind of listening to this and thinking hmm maybe my grief experience is kind of moving into the complicated grief realm what i would do is i would suggest you go to if you're here in the U.S., I would suggest you go to Psychology Today, the website, www.psychologytoday.com, and type in your location, type in your insurance, and then type in, um, it'll allow you to sort of search by therapist based on their specialty and look for a therapist that specializes in grief and one that is licensed, and then um, reach out to them. Cool. To pursue some um, therapeutic support. Or you can also go to... Um, what was the one I had you write down? The Center for Complicated Grief? Yeah. We're, um, we're not at that point in oh, the episode, sorry. though. I was going to say you could go there. <laughs> I'll say it again. Center for Complicated Grief. There's a there's a link on there that you can yes. um, click It'll be in to, the show to notes. find a therapist. Oh, that's right. I just look because I, I pulled up the website as you were talking earlier. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of different um, resources and resources there. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you have anything else for us on n- co- uncomplicated and complicated grief? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think if people have questions, they'll definitely let us know. Yes. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for bearing with us as we took a break on Monday. Uh, you can learn more on this topic by checking out that website we just referenced, the Center for Complicated Grief through Columbia University. It's complicatedgrief.columbia.edu. And you can also check out, of course, jennybrennan.com for other resources and um, links to different things. As a reminder, this episode was for education and entertainment purposes only. Should you need additional support, please contact your healthcare care provider for information and referrals. Please go ahead and follow us on Facebook at Changing Perspectives Podcast and on Instagram at Changing Perspectives Blog. You can check out our website by going to changingperspectivesblog.com or send us an email to changingpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode and we will see you next time. Say bye, Jenny. Bye, Jenny. The Changing Perspectives podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Dizzy Bird Studios, Whitman, Massachusetts. Visit Dizzy Bird Studios on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dizzy Bird Studios.